sisters, your memorials. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all visitors who have joined us this morning here in church, but also those who are with us remotely via the live stream. Today it is Pentecost Sunday when we remember and commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we all may be edified by our worship and that above all God may be praised and glorified. Consistently of the following announcement, Sister Kaylee DeBoer has arrived with an attestation from the Canadian Reformed Church of Coldale, Alberta. We welcome this sister into our congregation. The family Kyle and Ashley Peters, with their two baptized children, Bowden and Lila, have requested an attestation for the Free Reformed Church of Launceston, Tasmania. We wish this family the Lord's blessing as they take up their place in their new congregation. On Sunday, the 4th of June, that is next week Sunday, there will be a meeting of the consistory with the congregation immediately after the church service in the morning to consider calling candidate Tim Slough for the purpose of mission work in PNG. More information has been distributed will be distributed by the email and it was also released in the pigeonhole this morning. Consistory as elders only will meet the Lord willing tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. This morning the worship service will be led by Reverend Huff, minister of our sister church in Busselton. <coughs> but before we commence the worship service, let us sing together from hymn 53, the verses 1 and 4. 1 and 4, hymn 53.
morning, brothers and sisters. We are here not in our own strength. Let us therefore rise and express our dependence on the Lord also for this service. We confess our dependence with Psalm 124 verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Lord, greet you this morning. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits of it before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. As mentioned earlier, it is uh, Pentecost today and let us sing, therefore, in response to God's greeting, um, him 47 senses 1 and 2 he has come the holy spirit King David of Israel, after his sin with Bathsheba, 
articulated his, his regret, his confession in, in the following manner. And he also prays for the Holy Spirit when he says in Psalm 51, after God sent the prophet to him to confront him with his sin, he prayed, Perch me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let us listen to the ten words of God's um, covenant from Exodus 19 with the with the same approach, with the same prayer. And let us sing uh, after or in response to God's word in Deuteronomy 20. We'll sing Psalm 139, verse 13. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's.
Let us now pray and ask the Lord to illumine our hearts to receive his word. Eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you on this festive day, day when we remember and commemorate the pouring out of your Spirit and for your amazing grace that you have gathered us. The heavens proclaim your honor, and the creation. Your majesty, Lord. And here on earth, the church praises you and your son in many languages. Because you have abundantly given your spirit over all nations. Lord, the need for that was huge. For when we hear your law and we look around us to this sinful world full of unbelief, we must also admit that the cause of our guilt for this unbelief as well as for all other sins is by no means in you, Father, but rather in us. Father, faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and salvation through him, however, is your gift for your word says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is your gift. It has been granted to us on behalf of Christ to believe in him. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent your spirit. We thank you for, for the spirit who makes redemption known to us and Lord we acknowledge that without the spirit we would not know the things revealed to us in your word without the spirit we would not confess that Jesus is Lord so father we thank you for sending your spirit into our hearts and into the lives our lives making us a temple for yourself here on earth And Father, we, we ask therefore also, and we pray and plead for the forgiveness for our many sins, but also wisdom through your Spirit, so that we may see and acknowledge the extent of our transgressions, even our weaknesses before you. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you continue to revive our hearts, so that they will witness your mercies. Indeed, let your spirit testify with our spirit that we are your children, and may he guide us on paths of righteousness and peace, and fill our hearts with joyful hope that you will once fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord, like water covers the earth's surface. Lord, we pray that you enlighten our hearts with your spirit, whether we are in this building or watching live stream. And particularly when we read from Scripture, for our heart by nature does not seek your word or is able to receive it if it is not cleansed and enlightened by your spirit. Also, when it is proclaimed to us, help us to listen well, help us um, 
to focus, remove all uh, things that might hinder us, and give all we need to do it well for your glory's sake. Merciful Father, hear our prayers and praises and grant us, therefore, also a blessed service. In Christ's name we pray all this. Amen. Congregation, let us read this morning the, the Pentecost Gospel, as you will find it in Acts 2. We'll read Acts 2, verse 1 to 21. This is God's word for us. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on earth on, on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they, will be, they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arab- Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, 
blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall become to and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So far reading from Scripture. Let us now respond to God's word, sing together uh, Psalm 85, stanza 3. response to the proclamation of the gospel, we'll sing Psalm 145, stanza 3. Let us now read the text for this morning's preaching. And that is the verses 17 and 18 of Acts 2, also allude to 19 to 21, but the focus is 17 to 18. We read there, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Congregation of Jesus Christ, brothers, sisters, young and olds. So every year on Pentecost we, we celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit of Christ. And as we sit here we witness His work in the midst of this congregation in our own lives. And this is possible uh, through that powerful event two, roughly 2,000 years ago. The Apostle Peter quoted on that day from, from the Old Testament prophecy of Joel to explain what happened the morning of that day, nine o'clock in the morning. And this is not surprising because this is typical of the apostolic method. Always go back to scripture, including the Old Testament. And so when some evaluate the situation as being a few drunk people speaking languages, people say, Peter say, said, people, if you want to understand what has happened here today, Scripture, Old Testament Scriptures will, will help you. And in particular, the prophet Joel help you to understand that what we experience today has two sides. On one side, a delightful gift, prophetic gift to, from Christ to the believers. But also, that's the other side of the coin, God's judgment on those who resist the Spirit and don't repent. So, in a sense, Pentecost introduces D-Day, Day of Decision. And even though the people celebrate Pentecost as a feast of gratitude for the harvest, it also draws attention to the new task, the new mandate of God's people and the coming of the Day of the Lord. So congregation Peter quotes from Joel to, to put the whole matter of Pentecost in a broader perspective. If anyone is to be saved, now is the time. So the outpouring of Christ's spirit indicates the only way of hope in a world bound for destruction. And for God's people to be prophets. Also with this message applies to us today as well. It's a powerful prophecy of universal dimension. It also has a reforming effect and it highlights the urgency for change. This will be our focus this morning from this text as I preach to you God's word, the prophet Joel's powerful prophecy.
prophecy was fulfilled in the young and old at Pentecost. We'll see three aspects, the universal dimension, the reforming effect, and the urgency of this prophecy. Congregation, I think we can conclude that Peter, in his response, kind of caught his audience a bit off guard. They were somehow familiar with, with the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity. From Ezekiel 39:29, they, they were aware of the promise of the Spirit being poured out on God's people after the exile. And, and prophecies from Isaiah, Zechariah 12 and Isaiah 44 confirmed this. And Joel said this too. To come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now Peter says, in the last days, God says God, I will pour out my spirit. It's now, Peter says. Now it's the last days. But this was unexpected. What they just experienced was strange. Is this the outcome of what that what Joel said, but also what that strange prophet John the Baptist said three years ago, when he said that this Jesus of Nazareth would baptize you with the Holy Spirit, Luke three? It means that this all flesh um, includes more than faithful sons and daughters of God's people, Israel. Does it mean that it will include all kinds of people? And so it became clear from Peter's biblical interpretation of the prophet Joel's words that God's action on Pentecost is primarily that of a universal universal dimension and scope. God's work of rescue has, has global significance and not in the line of what they thought Everyone should be grafted into Israel, the Jewish nation, keep to, the, to all the laws of, the, of Moses. But it's them included through the Spirit in a new people. Now, most of Peter's audience knew that prophets of old always had a will wide dimension for, uh, for what they prophesied. Um, several psalms, like Psalm 87, speaks of it as well. Jerusalem shall be a haven, and all nations shall flock to it. Sure, but, but is this all happening because of Jesus of Nazareth, crucified a couple of months ago? 
all these different languages? Are the proof of the wall of separation between Israel and the nation is now suddenly broken down? Ephesians 2.14. This is not how they thought Joel's prophecy would pan out. And let's be honest, brothers and sisters, we're human too in this regard. It's true for us as well. The Lord often broadens our scope on his work in the most amazing and surprising way. The Lord adds to his church, to his people, yeah, sometimes people whom we probably would have passed by. So this is a new universal dimension. It was a shocking surprise on this Pentecost day. And so it, it took, this new reality took a fair bit of Peter's audience to, to process. Does not mean that, that there is no longer one people of God privileged above the other. All elements of race and nationality fall away. Well, that's, that's amazing. So amazing that, that it includes us too. Here, down under, 2,000 years later. It simply that God will work everywhere through his Holy Spirit. And where he works, people will be saved by his power and grace and will respond to his word. That's why our confession in Canons of Door, chapter 2, paragraph of article 5, so, so beautiful, calls it the universal proclamation of the gospel. Need to be announced, proclaimed in every country without discrimination to any people or nation. To all men, to whom God in his good pleasure sends the gospel with a command to repent and believe. But also to receive Christ's baptism with the Spirit. And this is also our second aspect. What, what is the, the reforming effect of this universal uh, applicated prophecy? So we come to the second aspect, the reforming effect of this prophecy. So it became clear to these people that God's word and spirit are no longer reserved for one nation or one race. And this is in, in keeping with the whole scheme of Joel's prophecy. God will open the treasures of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and the prophet Joel speaks of, of three categories of people that, that will receive the, the baptism of, of Christ. The baptism with the Spirit. Sons and daughters. Young and old men. Men servants, maid servants. Christ's Spirit came over people irrespective of gender, age and status. So not only did geographical borders fall away on Pentecost Day, but other lines of demarcation were removed. And again, what a shocking awareness for Peter's audience. Because under the old dispensation, restricted to Israel, the Spirit of God was only given to some special people, not to all people. 
these special people held a high office in Israel. Maybe that of a prophet or a priest or a king. And only they received the spirit to do their, to execute their unique task. And, and in this regard, age was, was also essential. Besides occasional exception, like the prophet Samuel or young king Josiah, yeah, no important tasks were given to young people. They lacked experience, they lacked wisdom. And so in those Old Testament days, you had to be of advanced age and wisdom before you became an elder in Israel. And men servants, maid servants, literally slaves, they had nothing to say. Most slaves in Israel were foreigners with no legal position, let alone a public voice. Sure, they had to be treated well in Israel, but they had no significant status in, in Jewish society. And now Peter says, all these Pentecost signs show that the social distinctions fall away. It is truly the beginning of a new era for God's people. All members, not just some, but all members of God's church are anointed. And, and, and you sense what's happening here, brothers and sisters. Suddenly, his audience became aware that they were all prophets, prophets, priests, and kings. They may now all enter the holy of hol- the most holy in the church to worship God. Yeah, they've heard about the curtain torn from top to bottom that day when Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross outside the city. Is this the implication? They will be priests, prophets, kings. But it does mean that that the temple's foyer, or the, 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 the place in front of the temple in Jerusalem, uh, which was really off limits to, to, to pagans, to non-Jews and women, that that has now lost its functionality. Wow. It implies that all members of God's Universal people, young and old, also those in Southern River, share in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so the youth take an important place as well. Young men, young women, like you, are important because you've received the Spirit. Brothers and sisters now serve the Lord Jesus shoulder to shoulder. And in his church there are all kinds of gifts, each to each member. None is excluded. Wow. This is, this blows your mind. In Christ everyone is a free person, even even slaves. Paul will write later about this again in, in Colossians 3.11 where he says there is no Greek, no Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but 
Christ is all and in all. Not one member is passed over at Pentecost. Everyone receives his own place and task in the office of all believers. Gender, age, status, there's no barriers for the Holy Spirit to mobilize all church members in the service of Christ. And therefore God promised that the Spirit would enable, enable both grandfathers and grandmothers, parents and children to witness of God's great past, present and future actions. And I would like to ask you, how does this work for you here in the Southern River? Does it give you joy to be aware of the capacity, the, 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 the gift of the Spirit in your life? Do you eagerly and add the, the Pentecostal mandate, job description, also in your daily agenda? Maybe some will still feel kind of uncomfortable with this spiritual baptism. I mean, where do we start now? Well, we start here in the church. This is where the Spirit is working, training, encouraging, empowering what He has already given to us. Here you dream. Here you prophesy. Maybe some will say, well, wait a minute. doesn't mean that you can just yell out a prophecy or a dream or a vision like, like it happened in the congregation of Corinth. Of course not. will still need to happen in good order, as Paul later will explain in 1 Corinthians 11 to 14. And, and the, the enthusiasm of youth must still be guided by the wisdom of the elders, Peter says later in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. And, and, and men and women will each receive their specific task in the church. The offices of elders and deacons are reserved for, for certain chosen brothers who are called to, and equipped to teach and shepherd from God's word. Other brothers and sisters are given different tasks to fulfill within the general office of believers according to their given gifts and talents and they do so at home school in committees in the neighborhood at Euclid, Fairhaven whatever circumstances all receive a lawful place as prophet priests and kings no one excluded so again Peter Peter's first audience have been shocked, surprised, maybe, maybe even overwhelmed. And we are sometimes too. Where do you start? You start here in the church. And from here, it goes out. This is not a, a religious or a social revolution. This is not rocket science. But it does have a blessed reforming effect here and outside where the Lord calls us in this world to serve Him. You know, in, in a revolution, 
Everything is suddenly turned upside down. But what happened on that Pentecost day and what's happening in, in this church, this is reformation. Ongoing reformation. Ongoing heart renewal by the Spirit according to the Scriptures. And so in every stage of our lives, we are said to be actively involved in the church. Especially when one has professed one's faith and, and takes full responsibility for one's life and doctrine. And so on this day, celebrating Pentecost implies that, that you become or remain active in Christ's Pentecost-gifted church as co-heirs of the grace of life, celebrating together, working together, sitting together at the Lord's table, equal in need of God's grace. No one is more important than you. And you are not more important than anyone else. You're all embraced by a forgiving Lord and invited to see and believe and trust in Him. And this is the reforming effect of, of Joel's prophecy since Pentecost. Yeah, and the world stands, still stands amazed. Yes, they're critical. Yes, they're negative. But sometimes they just can't explain this, this powerful fellowship. Young and old. Male and female. Brothers and sisters. All on the same, not page, but word. You know, in other societies, and, and generally in the world, people operate, not always, but most of the time, on, on self-interest. Or even conflict. Young versus old, generation gap. Or, or male versus female, eh? gender conflict. Or rich versus poor, class struggle. But here in the church... This is overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as one, Christ uses us to prophesy. And not only about the salvation through Christ, but also the urgent message of the coming judgment approaching this world. We are all instruments in God's church gathering work as he, he speaks towards the day of judgment, the day of fire. Fire, yes, because John the Baptist said that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Which also aligns with Joel's prophecy in what followed in, in verses 19 to 21. And this brings us also to the last aspect, the aspect this morning, the urgency of, the, of this prophecy. Brothers and sisters, in the Old and New Testament, um, and in particular before the New Testament was completed, visions, dreams, prophecies were typical, typically the way and the means by which God revealed himself. And after Pentecost, and before the Bible was completed, Christ continued to provide his spiritual church with his, his revelation through 
through visions, dreams, and prophecies. Think, for example, of the, um, the, the, the four prophesying daughters of the evangelist Philip in Acts 21, verse 9. Or, or um, Agabus, who stood up and prophesied by the Spirit that there would be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, Acts 11, 28. And so this, this way of, of God revealing himself to his people, to his church, that continued until the, the last apostle died. And the last um, of, of the Bible, of the gospel, was completed. A powerful witness and a testimony. But it didn't stop there. Yes, the revelation stopped and, 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 and was gathered through the guidance of the Spirit in, in one, one word, God's word. But, but, but the word didn't stop there. It was carried to all the corners of the world. The message that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. And this is an urgent gospel. It's a beautiful gospel. It's a comforting gospel, but it's also an urgent gospel. Because the prophetic church who proclaimed the gospel of the risen and ascended God also proclaimed he is coming to judge the living and the dead. This is an urgent message. Captured in, in verse 19 to, to, to 21. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke, sun shall be turned darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day it's coming maybe sooner than later it's good news to us we can't wait for that day but for those who, those who do not believe it will be a horrible day because earlier in the book of Joel, God's judgment is, is visualized in the, in the hordes of locusts that will destroy the land. Then says Joel, only in Zion there will be an escape. But the Zion is not the physical mountain in Jerusalem on which the temple was built. No, this Zion is the body of Christ. The church of Jesus of Nazareth. The ascended Lord. It's us. And so since Pentecost, the church with all these members, irrespective of age, gender, or status, has this urgent gospel for the world. Jesus is coming back. Prepare yourself for his return. And verse 21 um, adds that it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's hope. There's still time to come to Christ for salvation in this age. But the time is running out. The fire with which Jesus, according to John the Baptist, will baptize was not only the flames as of flames on the, uh, of fire on their heads on, on Pentecost Day. No, it's also the fire of judgment that Joel speaks about in verse 19. All kinds of cosmic events like fire, smoke, darkened sun, and blooded moon will precede the great and awesome day of the Lord. 
Brothers and sisters, no one in the church is excused from the prophetic task to witness, to reach out to others with this gospel of Jesus Christ's return. Yeah, not even your young sons and daughters. No one may say, ah, you know, I'm a bit young. I'm a bit of an introvert in the sense that I don't easily speak to people. Um, I'll wait till I'm an adult. Oh, I'll leave it to, to the elders or to the outreach committee or to the mission board. No! You've got to speak up. Where God gives the opportunity. And no sister may say, Oh, well, I'm, I'm just a woman. You know, leave, leave it to the men. No. Where the Lord places you, you have a task to warn people. No slave or servant may say, oh, I'm only a hired hand. Leave it to the boss. No, it's a task of everyone to prophesy and to testify in words and deeds that there is only salvation in Jesus Christ as the day of our Lord is approaching. And Paul works this further out later in Philippians 2, verse 14 to 16. And this is how it's practically executed or done. He says there, do all things without grumbling. Without grumbling. Or disputing. Reasoning for, for no reason. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation among whom you shine as light in the world holding fast the word of life so that and here it comes in the day of Christ Paul says I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain there's no higher calling than this and if you still stress or wonder how you're going to work this out, don't worry. We don't need to, to be overly concerned about how what we should speak when the Lord gives us opportunity to witness of the hope that lives in us. Sure, we need to know, go, know God's word. And we definitely need to be, be kind. But the Lord himself comforts us from Luke 12, 11. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The powerful promise and implication of Joel's prophecy, isn't it, for us today as well? In this regard, congregation, there is no better body to belong to than the Spirit-filled Church of Christ. Because, says Joel, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, and that's what we do here, shall be saved. And where else does the body of Christ call upon her Lord together in worship than here during the worship services? If you want to be saved, you've got to be here. The church with the completed word is, is now the only hope. For this world to find salvation. The church, how, how small and insignificant, how persecuted it sometimes is, is. 
is where there's safety. No, not safe with people. People are sinful. They'll betray you still. They'll still abuse you. And yet, it is where the Spirit of Christ works. Here you are safe with Christ. Here the word of redemption is boldly proclaimed. Here the Spirit works faith. And again, we are jumping back to Pentecost Day when, when Peter explained this gospel, this prophecy of Joel. Those people were shocked. In fact, verse 37 says, As they were cut to the heart. They desperately asked the apostles, what, what shall we do? And Peter had the answer, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This is what Pentecost is about. It's a feast. And it has a mandate. So Francis says, let us, let us go out. Speak of God's great acts of strength so that also, others will remember his, his goodness. Psalm 145. Let us as prophets, priests, and kings, and particular prophets, reach out with the revelation that God's people received on that Pentecost day through dreams and visions and prophecies that gathered in God's word. Let us reach out with that, with this urgent gospel. So that many, local and international, may come to Christ and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved to eternal life. And in this way, with us today, bring God glory, praise, and honor. Hear what the Spirit says to the congregation. Amen.
Congregation, as we draw in prayer, draw near to the throne of God in prayer, we will um, remember now prayer. Our brother Rod Youngling, who is scheduled for a hernia surgery, hernia operation on Tuesday, the 30th of May. Uh, we will also thank the Lord for the birth of um, Pippa Elizabeth, the baby daughter of Ashley and Nikki Milder. And we also particularly remember our brother Eric Wilcox um, and also Francis de Francois Annie Westhuizen as um, the father of brother Eric Wilcox um, has passed away and he's, uh, he left, he, he left to, to be with his family in South Africa. Um, and his, his dad passed away yeah, last week quite sudden and he's there to support his mother and siblings. His, die, his, his dad died due to a lethal heart attack at the age of just 50 years. And Eric's dad is, is also the brother-in-law for, for brothers the Franz von Anniewestesen. Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Faithful God in heaven, through Christ and his spirit, we, we humble ourselves now and pray before you. And we first of all praise and thank you for pouring out your spirit on all your people, young and old, men and women, people from all tribes, tongues and nations. And we thank you, God, Holy Spirit, for making your home within our hearts. And therefore, please continue your work in our lives, constantly and consistently directing us to Christ, our Savior, and his word. Please graciously, Lord, reorient us and what we love and what we prioritize so that it is in line with you and your word and, with, and, 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 and in line with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, please help us to receive and also seek opportunities to share our faith in a sense to prophesy of your great name and wondrous deeds. Please give us the possibility, the will, and the love for those around us who might not know you in a saving way. Please use us for your glory and for the gospel advance. Father, your word is for us enough. It's our drink to life eternal. We thank you that you, our Lord, our Savior, paid the full price to make this possible atonement, reconciliation with the Father. We pray that many in this world will also receive this blessing. Father, we pray this morning, particularly for our brother, Rod Jongeling, we'll yet have another hernia operation. Be with our brother, be with his family. We pray, Lord, bless the work of the doctors, especially that for our brother had another hernia operation over a year ago. 
and was quite sick, even to the point that we were concerned about him. We know that Rod and Joyce trust you and they're secure in your loving care for them. Let us surround them with this love as well. And may our brother come out of surgery according to your will. But if it's your will, in goodness and restoration, pain-free, to serve you in his family and in this church, to honor and praise. For you are a good God. You are rich in making covenant promises. You adopt us for your children and heirs. And you've promised to provide us with everything good and turn away all evil or turn it to our benefit. Guess you have promised to wash us in your blood from all our sins and unite us with your death and resurrection. And you promise to dwell in us, God, Holy Spirit, make us living members of Christ. Father, who are we and who are our children that you should give us such beautiful promises? And yet, you are doing it. And we're looking forward, Lord, to, to the baptism of, of Pippa Elizabeth Milder. In due time where these promises will resound again. Thank you for the gift of new life. For Ashley and Nikki Milder. And we pray that they will receive strength. To not only present their daughter for baptism. But also raise her according to these promises. Thank you for, for the joy in their midst. And may also their other family... Uh, in other places, in uh, PNG and Canada, rejoice with them. Strengthen uh, also Nikki as she recovers. Be near to them, Father. We've also heard the sad news this morning that you and your sovereign wisdom has taken to yourself Brother Robert Wilcox, the, the father of Brother Eric Wilcox. And in a Short time, Lord, you brought his life here on earth to an end, only to receive his spirit with you. And may it be a great comfort to, to Eric that, that his dad is, is with you, with his Savior now. May this comfort be also experienced, felt, and, and seen by Francois and Annie Oosthuizen, related to, to Robert Wilcox. Father, be a father to them in every possible way, according to your promises, with love and care, comfort, and consolation. That as they process this shocking event, this loss in their lives, so that they will feel the peace and the presence of your spirit. We don't grieve without hope. We have hope, Lord, but in the moment there is pain, confusion, intense sadness. Grant them the comfort of your word as they also prepare for the funeral and also as they travel. 
to be with family. Father, this makes us long even more for the return of Christ. May it be soon. Maranatha, Lord, come and judge this world according to what you've said so that we will be with you forever and ever to your glory and praise. Father, bless us now as we also go to our places after this worship service. Bless our fellowship that we have. May also our guests and visitors feel welcome in our midst. Accept now our prayer as we bring you before your holy throne in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let us continue to worship the Lord also in the offerings that we bring in the ministry of mercy. Uh, After the collections by the deacons, we'll sing together our closing song, hymn 50, stanzas 1 and 4.
Lift up your hearts unto God and receive in faith his blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.